Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Dramatic developments in the case of Noelle Osoup connected to the apartment where her body was found. Why an attending police officer is under investigation. Sexual extortion. This one is a new and unique Uh, type of online dating scam. The terrifying tactic fraudsters are using to target anyone looking for love online. And the bombshell from the Bank of Canada. An increase of this magnitude in one meeting is very unusual. The highest interest rate hike in decades and what it's doing to BC's housing market. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We begin with breaking news in connection with the discovery of the body of Noelle Osoup found in an apartment in the Strathcona neighborhood in May. The Office of the Police Complaints Commissioner has now confirmed an investigation has been launched into the conduct of a Vancouver police officer who attended the apartment where Noelle's body was found. Jordan Armstrong is live in the studio now with the exclusive Breaking details here and the accusation against this officer, Jordan. Chris, the accusation is neglective duty, but Vancouver police are not saying very much about the OPCC investigation tonight. Osoup, originally from the key First Nation in Saskatchewan, was reported missing from her Port Coquitlam home more than a year ago. Her body was found in a Strathcona apartment back in May. She was 14 years old. Osoup was one of two people found in the apartment that day, but police say the body of a man in his 40s was also found in the same apartment two and a half months earlier on February 23rd. In a statement to Global News, the OPCC states it initiated a police act investigation into the conduct of one Vancouver police officer for an allegation of neglect of duty. It goes on to say, quote, the basis of the allegation relates to conduct surrounding attendance at a suite where three deceased individuals were ultimately located. The OPCC adds the conduct investigation was immediately suspended in order to ensure there is no prejudice to any criminal investigation into the deaths. At the conclusion of the criminal investigation and any resulting proceedings, the Police Act investigation will be reinitiated. Now, for its part, Vancouver police say they do not know how Osoup died, stressing that a coroner's investigation continues. They also say the officer being questioned by the OPCC remains on duty. Chris? Fascinating developments. All right. Thank you, Jordan. A man is facing multiple charges after a terrifying incident in East Vancouver over the weekend. Police say a stranger broke into a woman's apartment where he held her captive and assaulted her. Catherine Urquhart reports. 
In Mount Pleasant, near Broadway in Carolina, area residents are incredulous about what occurred in their neighborhood Saturday night. At about 8 p.m., a woman was allegedly confined and sexually assaulted in her own home by a stranger. We received an abandoned 911 call. So somebody had phoned 911, asked for help, and then the line got disconnected. Through uh, working with Ecom, we were able to uh, trace that abandoned 911 call to our residence, and our officers attended that residence. Soon after, police were on scene. Witnesses, who don't want to be identified, say they heard officers rushing to gain entry into the suite. And it was a police officer with his weapon drawn at the door, and it was the police officer trying to kick the door in. They say police used a battering ram to get inside as the suspect tried to escape by jumping from a fourth floor balcony. He broke his leg. Police, fire and paramedics on scene pretty quick. 32-year-old Howard Lethbridge is now charged with sexual assault, unlawful confinement, being unlawfully in a dwelling and obstructing a peace officer. A person with the same name and birth year has a lengthy record for theft, mischief, and other crimes. Police say the victim is recovering. I checked in with our victim services people this morning who had a conversation with her yesterday. Obviously, very traumatic incident, um, and it will, uh, I would imagine, take a considerable amount of time for her to work, to, to process everything that's happened, to work through it, but we're providing support to her. Howard Lethbridge's next court appearance is scheduled for Thursday. The incident is being reviewed by the Independent Investigations Office of BC to determine if police actions played any role in the man's injury. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Kamloops RCMP are seeking the public's help in locating two missing children. Police believe the brothers, 11-year-old William and 13-year-old Mark Mockery, were picked up by their non-custodial parent, 37-year-old Kristen Mockery, for an unscheduled visit on July 8th. They haven't been heard from since. Police believe they are with their mother and her partner, 38-year-old Corey Batalina, and may be heading to Barrier, 100 Mile, Lillooet, or even Edmonton. They may be traveling in either a red 1997 two-door Honda Civic or a blue 2017 Hyundai Santa Fe. Their whereabouts are unknown, and RCMP say the family is concerned for the children's well-being. A warning from Burnaby RCMP. Online extortion is taking a frightening and violent new turn. As Kamal Karamali reports, at least three of the victims and their families were threatened with death. An alarming way to try and squeeze money out of unsuspecting victims. This is a new type of scam that we're seeing. Three cases, all within a month, all in Burnaby, where sextortion was taken to a potentially violent level. Because of the level of violence that they're using in order to scare the victim. The targets, all men, who had contacted an escort service providing personal information. But once the website had their address, they were threatened with a visit from someone else, receiving terrifying videos of masked men with AR-15 style rifles. It's making the threat seem very real to the victim because they know that they have provided their phone number and home address. Followed up with another chilling video. They depict dead bodies, parts of dead bodies, as if to show that if you don't comply, this could be you. Demanding to get paid at least $1,000. Criminologists say this new strategy is high risk, 
high reward. There's a group of criminals that uh, wants to try this out. And uh, if it's successful, then uh, I would expect other groups to follow suit. The images that are shared are all the same. Burnaby RCMP say within that same month, there were also um, six other instances of sextortion, no death threats, but instead blackmailing the victims by threatening to publish personal photographs if the victims don't cough up enough cash. So RCMP are providing some tips. Look them up online. A quick reverse image search shows that they got their picture from the internet. Asking for money is always a red flag. And never be afraid to say no, even if you're a little bit doubtful. Never give out personal information like your address or credit card info. Even though you've sent an image, it does not give the person the ability to leverage it against you. They can't just unilaterally choose to send that to somebody else. And again, when that happens, it, it, it violates the criminal code. Burnaby RCMP say these incidents are underreported because victims are less likely to come forward if they've illegally used an escort service, making it even harder to find the perpetrators. Kamal Karamali, Global News. A lot of people reacting to an even bigger hike in interest rates than was widely predicted today from the Bank of Canada. Richard Zussman has the grim details, what's behind the larger-than-expected increase, and what, if anything, government can do to ease the pain. Cooling down an overheated economy. An increase of this magnitude in one meeting is very unusual. It reflects very unusual economic circumstances. On Wednesday, the Bank of Canada increasing the interest rate to 2.5%, up a full point, the biggest one-time increase since 1998. Economists and observers say it's clear the Bank of Canada misjudged how fast inflation heated up. It means you're essentially almost hoping for some sort of recession to bring those consumer prices down by clawing back on inflation there. So the Bank of Canada is really in between a rock and a hard place. The rate hike is largely targeted at managing inflation, now hitting levels not seen for 40 years. Food prices up 8.8% this May compared to a year ago. Gas prices in Metro Vancouver last year were just $1.69 per litre. The price soared to $2.70 a litre in early June, but have recently dropped to under 2 bucks for the first time in months. Canadians need further support and will continue to be there for them. And it's not just Ottawa considering its options. The B.C. government is considering giving money back through the Climate Action Tax Credit or potentially starting a new inflation credit. During COVID, we got money to people fast. I think we can do that again, but it's an enormous task to stand up these programs out of the blue because there's no inflation program in anybody's budget. So it takes time to work these things through. But for many British Columbians, the pressures are now. The B.C. Liberals have been pushing for a freeze on provincial fuel taxes. The Premier had instructed uh, the finance minister two and a half months ago now to come forward with measures, and we've still not heard anything. This is every day more people in this province are struggling to put food on the table or pay off the credit card. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. Of course, rising interest rates hit especially hard in the housing market. Aaron MacArthur reports on how much more borrowing for a home will cost and what it might do to the market. Record low interest rates allowed a huge swath of the population to jump into the real estate market during the pandemic. Variable rate mortgages meant lower payments and flexibility. Now, with rates two full percentage points higher than they were in March, 
mortgage payments, squeezing homeowners' bottom lines. I think uh, something like 95% of our clientele in the last two years did a variable mortgage. The average mortgage in Canada just more than $700,000. The 1% increase to a typical mortgage rate increases payments by $325 a month. Anyone with a variable rate has been stress tested at five and a quarter percent. So I'm confident that most households uh, will be able to still make their mortgage payment. Mortgage brokers are advising clients to look at the numbers. It might make sense for some people to lock into a fixed rate. Find out what that monthly payment is because it is going to be more than what you're currently paying. Um, and if you're, you know, comfortable with that and you are risk adverse, then, uh, you know, that's, that's definitely a good option. The effect of four successive rate hikes has already been felt in the housing market. Bidding wars have stopped. Prices are down. And for the first time in a decade, buyers have the upper hand. The buyers have picked up on this a while ago now. If you're not going to give it at our price, then we'll go to the next house over. Despite the rapid increase, variable rate mortgages are still near historic lows. But with the Bank of Canada promising further hikes if needed in order to put a lid on inflation, homeowners are watching and worrying how much more they can afford to pay. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. John Horgan is weighing in on his replacement as Premier and the growing buzz around Attorney General David Eby possibly being a shoe-in for the job. Keith Baldry joins us with more on this. Uh, Keith, Horgan was asked if enough debate is being had about this job or if it's all but decided because it feels that way at times. Yeah, today's first time he's been asked about the leadership race and potential successors. Obviously, a bit of a minefield here for the Premier because everybody's wondering who he may back. I don't think he's going to back anybody, by the way. But uh, when you talk about prospective candidates, right now the only name that's surfacing is David Eby, the Attorney General. There may be others. I'll get to more of that in a moment. But we asked, uh, Richard Zussman asked uh, Premier Horgan today about David Eby and the fact that potentially he could be the successor. And what's his take on his Attorney General? Here's Horgan's reply. Uh, David is a, an outstanding young man. I have nothing but respect for his intellect and his capacity. Uh, there are others that I feel the same way about. And I'll leave the party and, and uh, those who aspire to ha have this job to make their case. So again, anytime the Premier makes a comment on potential replacements, we're going to create a bit of buzz. This comment already has created a bit of buzz within party ranks. Uh, David Eby, though, still has yet to declare his candidacy. I think he will. And the question is, is it a coronation or will others take the plunge? The rules will be released by the party next week. That may determine whether others uh, enter the race. Uh, other names are being are circulating. Jennifer White's, uh, Cabinet Minister Jennifer Whiteside, Josie Osborne, Rob Fleming has been floated there as well. So it may yet turn into a race, but right now it looks like like a race for David Eby to lose. Mm. And we keep hearing people are not running and still no one officially mm. saying, yes, they are running. All right. Thanks, Keith. Okay. Violence at the Hastings Street tent city. A man in a wheelchair was allegedly trying to navigate the blocked sidewalks when he was stabbed. What police say about the spike in crime and disorder there next on the news hour. So long, Santa. UBC President Santa Ono poached by a big American university. The legacy he leaves behind here later. And saddle up for the touching story of why a horse is at a senior's home. That's later. 
Right now, though, a violent incident on the downtown east side is putting a spotlight on rising tensions over the tent city on Hastings Street. As Amadagahi reports, the new encampment is creating a difficult situation for those with mobility issues and others who live in the neighborhood. For his own safety, Wayne wants to hide his face, but what he will show are the stab wounds he suffered at the hands of a stranger on Vancouver's downtown east side. It shouldn't be dangerous to go to the grocery store. Like We're taking our lives in our hands every day we go out that uh, blasted door. The 62-year-old who is wheelchair-bound was attacked this week after getting into an argument with someone occupying the sidewalk in front of his apartment building. There's no way for a person in a wheelchair to get through. John Quill Hallgate manages the low-income affordable housing building near Hastings and Carroll. Watches she demonstrates the struggle to navigate the same route. We have to be able to allow people who are paying their rent and just want to come and go to shop or to recreate or to go to jobs without being scared to go out the door or without having constant conflicts with people. People who've lived here 16, 20 years say they've never seen anything like this. The incident comes at a time during which, visibly at least, the number of temporary street homes in the form of tents and canopies has grown along East Hastings. Some call it Vancouver's newest tent city, caused in part by the end of so-called city street sweeps, and also because some people prefer to be outside in the summer to escape what they say is undesirable single-occupancy housing. What we've seen happen down on Hastings Street, really in, uh, since the beginning of this month, is a number of uh, tents that have popped up, increasing uh, amount of debris and street disorder, but it's too early to say whether or not uh, that's led to a, a spike in, in police calls. The only thing that's different now is that poverty is now more visible to people. I, I don't think at this point that there's any uh, grounds to say there's an increase in violence. But some residents will continue to disagree. There's been um, a death threat. I've run into confrontations just going in and out, arguments with people, things thrown at me, people swearing at me even after you've asked politely and said, you know, we need to be able to get through. Adding, without a new approach, what happened to Wayne could happen to someone else soon. Emadagahi, Global News. A desperate plea tonight from a mother to help solve the murder of her son in Burnaby almost 13 years ago. It was early on the morning of July 16, 2009, that police were called to reports of a gun sh- of gunshots and a vehicle fire next to Clinton Elementary. Inside the car, police found the victim, later identified as 25-year-old John Hanna. IHIT has issued a statement from his mother, which says her life has been on hold since he died. The family needs closure. Anyone with information is asked to contact the Integrated Homicide Investigation Team. Just ahead, improvements to a notorious stretch of BC Highway. A lot of people at nighttime when it's dark just don't pay attention. How they're making this deadly curve safer. And big money to help electric vehicle owners plug in where they need to. Traffic is steady both ways this evening at the Alex Fraser Bridge. Still some leftover volume, though, in both directions through Richmond on the east-west connector. Get best-in-class protection and savings with BCAA Insurance. Learn more at bcaa.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Alex Fraser Bridge. 
Attention consumers having issues with scammers, price gougers, corner cutters, con artists, or big business bullies. Help is here. Andrewa investigates consumer matters on Global News. Join Global News July 21st to 24th for daily coverage of the 2022 D.C. Summer Games from Prince George. Spirit lives here. Global BC is proud to partner with the B.C. Summer Games. Well, drivers will soon have a better warning about a challenging curve on a North Okanagan highway. The safety upgrades likely wouldn't have happened without the unrelenting effort of a man whose sister was killed in a motorcycle crash there. Global's Megan Turcato has more on the changes and the family's reaction. In a matter of months, drivers navigating this tricky curve on Highway 97A, north of Enderby, will have more signage to warn them of the dangers. The planned upgrades are great news for Stephen Selinger, who has been advocating for upgrades to this intersection since his sister Janet was killed in a motorcycle crash here last year. She'd be very pleased about this. I, I know she is. The whole idea was to move forward so this does not ever happen to another person and family again. The Provincial Transportation Ministry plans to make the existing Chevron curve signs bigger and add a new overhead curve warning sign on the highway with flashing lights. Selinger learned of the upgrades on June 22nd, exactly a year after his sister's fatal crash. For them to tell me on that day that this money had been funded, I was just, I was ecstatic about that. And I have gratitude to everyone who was involved in making this happen. ICBC stats show in the five years between 2017 and 2021, there were seven crashes here, including two involving a fatality or injury. In February 2021, surveillance footage even recorded a semi-loaded with lumber tipping over as it tried to get around the curve. A long-term employee at a nearby gas station agrees the area needs safety improvements. How many accidents happen? It's just a matter of time before some semi runs to a, a van of tons of kids. But Nicholas Higginbottom believes the new signage will help. I think it'll help greatly. A lot of people at night time when it's dark, just don't pay attention, they're tired. And then the last second they see it, and then they slam on the brakes, spin out, and go into the ditch. Selinger says the signage is a great start. I'm very grateful what they're doing. This intersection is designed very poorly. I mean, even as we stand here talking, there's people going through a 40-kilometer-hour corner at high rates of speed. It's a very unorthodox-type corner. It needs restructure in the future, I believe. The province says the signage improvements will be put in place this fall. Megan Turcato, Global News. Federal government has announced $1.7 million for new electric vehicle chargers in this province. Natural Resources Minister Jonathan Wilkinson made the announcement outside Burnaby City Hall this morning, where there are now 100 EV chargers on site for the fleet of city vehicles there. Today's funding announcement will also go toward an additional 28 chargers along BC highways, all of which should be operational by this winter. This is a step towards how we create a future where the vehicles we drive will be consistent with our collective commitment to environmental sustainability. We are offering BC drivers 
that now the chance to have more access than ever before to EV charging stations, powering drivers all across the province with clean energy. Data suggests 20% of all new cars purchased this year in BC so far have been electric. It's official. UBC President Santa Ono has been named president of the University of Michigan. I now call for a vote on the motion to approve the appointment of Dr. Santa Ono as the 15th president of the University of Michigan. All in favor, say aye. 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 All opposed? The motion has passed. Yes, Ono is moving on. He was welcomed today by the University of Michigan's Board of Regents. He was appointed UBC's 15th president back in 2016. Ono was born in Vancouver while his father was a math professor at UBC, but he was raised in the U.S. In his acceptance speech, Ono shared fond memories of his time at UBC. On that campus in Vancouver, that's where I first learned how to ride my bike among students in the beautiful trees on that campus around Main Mall and its old academic buildings. The 59-year-old Ono will assume his new role in Michigan on October 13th. He says one of the reasons he made the decision to move was to be closer to his aging parents who live in Baltimore. Coming up, TikTok Transit. How one post by an American visitor riding the bus in Victoria got more than 8 million views. And a sad update tonight to the story of Whistler's bus stop bear. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Counterflow is out here at the Massey Tunnel, and traffic is moving well in both directions. Just a bit of a congestion southbound at the north end of the tunnel. Today's Lotto 649 jackpot is an estimated $5 million plus an additional guaranteed $1 million prize. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Massey Tunnel. The Trudeau government is defending its decision to return pipeline turbines to Russia despite sanctions against that country. Russia says the turbines are essential to the operation of its Nord Stream pipeline, which supplies much of the energy that Europe needs. Canada's move has angered Ukraine, but as Abigail Beeman reports, our European allies are grateful. Addressing turbine tension for the first time, the Prime Minister didn't speak to new legal action taken by the Ukrainian World Congress against the government, but he did defend his choice. Those sanctions are aimed not at our allies, but at Putin and his cronies. And that's exactly uh, why we took this difficult decision to be there for our allies. We're very grateful to Canada. Germany's ambassador to Canada tells Global News it wasn't an ask taken lightly and acknowledges there's no guarantee Russia won't just turn off the taps anyway. We don't know. We simply do not know. And that's, um, uh, I think, a very important point. Wednesday morning, Russian state-owned Gazprom tweeted it had no documents showing Siemens could get the turbine out of Canada. We do not want to give Russia and Putin the kind of excuse 
to say, oh, you brought it upon yourself that we will not honor our obligation to deliver gas anymore because you do not deliver the turbine. The new legal challenge against the Canadian government calls Russia's claim to need that turbine a disingenuous ploy. The application for judicial review challenges the reasonableness of the minister's uh, decision to allow for the exemption. We really should be shaken by that reaction. Oral Braun says Zelensky's fierce rebuke of Canada is evidence of enormous frustration in reaction to a precedent-setting move. This is a very unfortunate crack in what should have been a unified system of keeping pressure up on, on Russia. Russia tested us. And we failed. A complicated situation with diplomacy, energy, and war all on the line. Abigail Beeman, Global News, Ottawa. A sad update to a story we first brought you last night. The black bear that approached a woman at a bus stop in Whistler last week has been put down. The BC Conservation Service confirms it destroyed the animal after receiving multiple additional reports of close encounters. The COS says the bear was displaying food-conditioned behavior, including grabbing a backpack from a person's hand, making contact with someone who was sitting at a picnic table, and repeatedly approaching people in search of food. And because of the public safety risk, the COS says the animal could not be relocated. Residents of a Vancouver care home got a very special visitor today. This horse usually trots around Stanley Park leading a horse-drawn carriage. But today, a special trip to Louis Breyer Home and Hospital where residents eagerly awaited his arrival. Recreation therapist Kelly Lopich says it's really special for residents to be able to see and to pet the horse. And for some, it reminds them of growing up around farm animals. Everyone's really excited about this giant horse coming. It's so different than anything that we've ever experienced before. We're bringing the horse inside, which is unique, and it's exciting. It's an exciting time. It's bringing back memories. It's bringing joy. And for those who couldn't make it outside, it was no problem. They brought the horse inside the care home to make sure everyone who wanted to visit was able to. Former Vancouver Symphony Orchestra conductor Bramwell Tovey has died. Tovey led the VSO for 18 years. He was named musical director of the Sarasota Orchestra in 2021. Tovey died from cancer one day after his 69th birthday. The British-born Tovey was diagnosed with a rare form of sarcoma in May of 2019, which reoccurred earlier this year. Grammy and Juno Award winner was named to the Order of Canada in 2013. In a statement, the VSO says there are no words to describe the legacy Maestro Tovey has left on the city of Vancouver. Still ahead, a Canadian quirk goes viral on TikTok. How Victoria bus riders charmed an American tourist later. And in sports, a kind of homecoming for the newest Canuck, the latest on the free agent frenzy.
the special stories that shape our province, as suggested by our viewers. This is BC with Jay Durant. Real people, real stories. This is BC with Jay Durant is brought to you in part by Van Cam Freightways, BC owned and operated for 75 years. A big change for the map of B.C. as an island community is getting a new name. The provincial government and the Haida First Nation have announced the village of Queen Charlotte on Haida Gwaii will now be known as the village of Dodging Geeds. That comes more than a decade after the Queen Charlotte Islands themselves were renamed Haida Gwaii. We'll continue as a province to work with the Haida, with the settler community and all others to advance reconciliation what is in a place that has always been, from my perspective, the lead, uh, not just for British Columbia, not just for uh, Canada, but the entire world and people's coming together. So it's been a lot of work to get to this point, and it's a great opportunity to come together and celebrate. People working together to make it right. So remember, Dodging Geeds, the name change, is the latest in a move to revert more B.C. locations to their original indigenous place names as part of the push towards reconciliation. And it's a beautiful part of this province. Sure is. All right, uh, let's bring in Yvonne Shell with a look at our weather forecast. And it's been another gorgeous day, Yvonne. Yeah, very summer-like out there. Temperatures are going to bump up, actually, as we get into both our Thursday and our Friday. And we are tracking still some wet weather along the north and central coast. So I'll outline that. But first off, a beautiful shot from our Wall Centre Hotel camera. Temperatures are sitting at 21 degrees, and we've got a southwesterly wind at 7 kilometres per hour. few of the highs across the province today. Lytton still getting up to 30. Kamloops, 31 degrees. A warm one today in Trail, and it was similar for the southern half of the Okanagan with Metro Vancouver though climbing up to 21 degrees. It was a touch cooler in comparison to yesterday. Now the plan is overnight tonight we'll dip down to 14 degrees. We've got uh, some sunshine in the mix through the day tomorrow. 23 is the high. Away from the water 26 but when you factor in the humid exit it'll be feeling closer to 29 areas inland. Now the weather maker across the north and central coast will bring rainfall heavy at times this evening. It continues through the day and the northern tip of Vancouver Island may get clipped by some of that precipitation and we are going to see a bit more cloud cover moving in across the northern and central half of the island. So here's the future cast as we put it into play. We've got that moisture that is moving in. Bit of instability also across the central interior. And then that same system is going to bring a bit of a blip in the forecast. Or we are going to watch a couple of systems bring a blip in the forecast even for us across Metro Vancouver. Ridge starts to build in for a Thursday, Friday. And then as we get in towards the weekend, especially for the latter half in towards the interior, it'll be a touch cooler. We may even see the chance for some showers along the south coast on Saturday in the southern half of the province for the interior will be on Sunday but then the ridge starts to build once again and summer makes a return into early next week. Warmer temperatures is when that rainfall is increasing the flood concern the latest from the BC River Forecast Centre with the flood watch for the Shakolton so that's been upgraded and the central coast now included within a high stream flow advisory. So the rainfall along the north coast that's the one area of concern especially for the central interior and for the southern half it'll still remain warm and sunny a bit more cloud cover for the northern and central half of the island but all areas across metro vancouver it's drawing towards our weekend we could see a few isolated showers and a bit more cloud cover for our saturday so far guys all right thanks yvonne thanks yvonne well the british open is set to begin tomorrow but there's another national golf competition happening right here in bc at two eagles golf course in west Kelowna. this one involves a group of teens living with autism That's a nice putt. 
Mac Long is one of the participants. The 16-year-old is part of the Canadian team chosen to compete against other golfers with autism who played in South Africa, USA, United Kingdom, and Ireland. The event is connected to professional golfer Ernie Els, who started the Ernie Els Autism Golf Program. It recently granted Autism Okanagan $10,000 to get a golf program started locally. The young players all delighted to take part. Oh, it's much fun there. Hands down. And yeah, it's much some all people like have fun and try your best. Oh, it was just overwhelming. Uh, you know, we had all the families out there. Um, you know, our theme for today as a group before every session we started as a theme and our theme today was pride. And you know, the pride that was shown on the course, I couldn't be more proud of our group. And just, you know, Two Eagles has just been absolutely amazing. And uh, we're just so fortunate to have that partnership. And today is something these uh, golfers will never forget. This is the first year for the Okanagan Autism Golf Program. Right now it includes 12 golfers aged 7 to 17. And part of the $10,000 was used to buy adaptive equipment. Good to see them having a lot of fun out there. Yeah. Perfect weather for it as well. Beautiful. All right. Uh, speaking of golf and other sports, of course, Squire <laughs> is here. Well, the British Open does start tomorrow. But, of course, today was the opening of free agency in the NHL. The Canucks made a few signings. We'll tell you about those. We'll check in on the Whitecaps. We'll see what they're doing. And the Blue Jays have a new manager who does have a Vancouver connection. Sounds good. Look forward to all of that. Also coming up, what made BC Transit go viral on TikTok with 8 million views? Little tweaks, maybe major tweaks for the Canucks. In well, the next medium tweaks. I wouldn't say major, <laughs> I wouldn't say minor. I should say the biggest name in free agency going into today was Johnny Gaudreau. A lot of people thought he'd sign in Philadelphia, maybe New Jersey. No, he has signed a seven-year deal with Columbus for just under $10 million a season. He said no to Calgary, of course. Now, in order to get higher, the Vancouver Canucks believe they have to get faster and stronger. So... They use free agency to do just that. The biggest signing, well, the biggest signings, I guess, were former Bruins forward Curtis Lazar and former Maple Leafs winger Ilya Mikhaev. Mikhaev is one of the fastest skaters in the NHL. We had McCabe on our list, and, and uh, to be honest, too, I wasn't sure if he was looking at uh, Vancouver as an option, but when we started talking and what we want to do and uh, the option we had for him here, uh, it, was a, it was a really good fit. McKayev is a very good penalty killer because of his speed, and last season he surprised people when his hands caught up with his feet and he scored 21 goals. The question is, do the Canucks think that's a new norm from him? Or are they going to temper expectations as far as goals are concerned? I, I think it's capable of scoring, um, you know, up to around 20 goals, 15 to 20 goals. Uh, but what it brings more is, you know, open up lanes for rather skilled players. And that's the intriguing part with him. To Tenorti, steers it in front, Lazar scores! 
Curtis Lazar provides the Canucks with a bit more toughness. He was with Boston last year. This is a guy who can give a hit, and as you can see here, he can take one as well. And being from Salmon Arm, he loves the fact he's now a Canuck. Uh, I mean, first and foremost, uh, like I said, being a, a home home province kid, uh, grew up cheering for the Canucks. Got a you know very big soft spot for them in the organization because uh, you know my my passion towards the game uh, was all generated you know watching those Canucks throughout the years when I was growing up. Uh, hopefully, Mikheyev can shake the injury bug. That's followed him around a bit in his career. Look for Dakota Joshua. They, uh, they like him. Maybe he could make the Canucks this season coming out of camp. Now, obviously, the Canucks haven't moved any money out through trades yet. So what is next for Patrick Alvin? For the time being, JT Miller remains a member of the Vancouver Canucks. But eventually, something's going to have to give. Because with the free agency moves the Canucks made on Wednesday, they're basically capped out of salary space. Although it's not like they had much to begin with. However, that doesn't mean that Miller, who's in the final year of a contract paying him $5.2 million, is being moved anytime soon. Well, um, I didn't get any calls today, so I, don't know, I didn't talk um, with any teams today. Uh, hey, uh, he, he's, he was the best player last year. Um, I think Jim mentioned it. There has been teams, you know, kicking tires, checking in. Um, it hasn't gone much further than that. Um, uh, we're really excited to have JT here for another year. Um, I believe he's excited and ready to come back. Um, and hey, who knows? Uh, anything can happen here over the next couple of weeks, months. Uh, but we're we're happy to have him back. Patrick, how much more work do you have left to do? You talk about what you want to accomplish. You don't have any room in the cap anymore. I think you'd probably like to improve your defense. Is the heavy lifting still to come? I think we, uh, you know, we talk about it as a group here. And, uh, you know, we, we realized that there wasn't really anything on the market for us today to get into. So uh, probably will be over time. Uh, maybe look into, um, you know, different option trade scenarios. Uh, but again, I didn't feel that we needed to rush to, into something here and, and then you know, take other options away from us here um, cut, leading up to training camp. Vanny Sartini and the Whitecaps are in Cincinnati. Whitecaps missing a lot of players, especially Andres Kubas, and you can see it here again. This is terrible defense from the Caps. Only three minutes in, Alvaro Barreo will give Cincinnati the 1-0 lead. But right after that, Vancouver does tie it. Christian Dahomey finds Ryan Gold, and it's 1-1. That's a quick response on the road. It's not often Vancouver scores in the first half. But they get the tie, and then they break down again. And this time it's Brandon Vasquez. Mm, it's not great goaltending either. 2-1 late in the second half. Vancouver needs to rally here to get a point at least. John Schneider is now the uh, manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. They fired Charlie Montoyo. Schneider used to manage the Vancouver Canadians way back when. In fact, he won two championships with the Seas in 2011-2012. And thanks, in part, to this solo homer from Vladdy Guerrero, he wins his first game as the skipper of the Jays. They say he will stay as the boss the rest of this season at least. There you go. All right. Thanks, Squire. Still to come, the Victoria bus ride that blew up on TikTok. 
Jordan Armstrong is here with a preview of what's coming up on Global News at 11 tonight. Jordan. Chris, tonight, outrage ahead of the Kamloops powwow scheduled for later this month. A number of Indigenous people are speaking out about a few of the posted rules for the event, which discriminated against certain participants. At 11, the apology from organizers and reaction from the community. This story and anything else that breaks between now and 10.59 on Global News at 11. Chris. No, you will. Thanks very much, Jordan. Well, our reputation as Canadians of being polite is getting a big boost from a social media travel blogger. Thank you very much for that, Sophie. <laughs> You're welcome. As Kylie Stanton shows us, it all stems from a viral video that shows Victoria Transit users showing their gratitude with a thank you. Doors open, passes are swiped, stops are announced and requested. But on a Victoria, B.C. Transit bus... These sounds are constantly punctuated. Thank you. Thank you. By passengers. Thank you. Thank you. Usually when I get on and when I get off. It's just uh, the right thing to do, I think. Just two little words. Thank you. That seem to go a long way. That gratitude that people are showing to drivers, it really does mean a lot. It's just the best. It really makes you feel good. But it turns out drivers aren't the only ones who appreciate the gesture. While visiting Victoria, Corinne Carlson posted this video to her TikTok account, The Fat Passport. Once I rode the bus and I heard it, it was just totally tickled by it. I thought it was very sweet. The video has since racked up nearly seven and a half million views with tens of thousands of comments. Many confirming the custom is quite common around the world. Writing, we do that here in Ireland as well. They do it in Australia too. Everyone does this in the UK. It would be rude not to. That piece of connection, I think, is really nice when it's unexpected. Also unexpected, this newfound fame. Every single person, that's awesome. I think Victorians really are grateful people and polite for the most part. Um, and so it's, it's just nice that's being showcased. And so far, no one seems to be putting on the brakes. They need to know that they're doing a good job. Hope it makes their day a little bit better. Safe to say, mission accomplished. Thank you. Thank you, driver. But just like a bus route, what goes around comes around. From everybody at BC Transit, we want to say thanks to our customers for keeping this tradition going. Kylie Stanton, Global News. Thank you. Victoria. Remember those two little, were they squirrels that just thanked Ooh. each other all the time? Oh, yeah. On were they squirrels? Disney. Yeah. Were, I don't remember. There were cartoons. I'm a lot younger than you guys, though. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of after you, no after you, no right, after you. Yeah. Insist. One of those. That kind of thing. Yeah. Nice. That's the people on the bus. <laughs> well, Yvonne, if if you don't mind, please. <laughs> oh, well, last word on last word on weather. Well, thank you. Um, as we do take a look, we wanted to also show you tonight's weather window. First off, a great shot of the supermoon. Great opportunity to catch it over the next few days, especially with uh, a mainly clear sky, especially as we get in towards the evening hours. Be prepared, though. It is going to be a bit warm, though, as we get in towards the next couple. Ooh, this should be the five-day forecast. I might be able to get there. No? Nope. Click fast. Oh, thanks for your patience. Thank you for your patience. I'm, I don't I don't know. Maybe it's not there. But anyway, <laughs> sunny. It's sunny. It's going to be hot and sunny, uh, especially towards the interior as well. Are, are, you th are we thinking of Chip and Dale? Maybe. I don't know. We need to dig this up tomorrow. We'll look it up. Oh, they're chipmunks. I guess is that why he's called Chip? I don't know.
Viewers, I don't remember. Well, that doesn't explain the Dale thing. Then. Viewers, I regret that we've no. wasted the final 30 seconds of this. <laughs> Thank, you for, this is Thank you for your time. Thank you for your time. Thanks for watching. Good night, all.